So good morning, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast on a mock draft Monday. There will only be one more mock draft Monday before we actually have the actual NFL draft. I'm excited about that. You're excited about that. I'm Scott Kennedy, one of your hosts here in Atlanta. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle. So we're coast to coast with your coverage, and he gets up bright and early with us, just like so many of you. And Nick, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I am doing pretty well. It's uh, The weather is starting to get me down a little bit. It's been just crazy cold, uh, wet, but uh, hey, it's, it'll be summer here before long. And I keep telling myself that as longer it's cold and wet, the less likely we have uh, for wildfire uh, this season. So I'll take it, but uh, I'm ready for it to get a little nicer. Yeah, I rode a motorcycle exclusively for a couple of years, and cold and wet became my least favorite type of weather. So I was like, just snow already. And then I, I moved north, and it snowed. And I'm like, see, this is better. I like it. And then um, April and May hit, and it was cold and wet. I'm like, oh, you guys don't miss 40s and rain. You just call it spring. Your spring sucks. <laughs> spring in the South is nice. So you don't miss it anywhere. Cold and rain. So I get it. Let's say hello to some folks in the chat this morning. Alan was first in. He says, let's go. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you, Alan. Thanks for coming in on YouTube. And Michael Ranquillo, as always, coming in from Arizona, getting up bright and early with us. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. And he's buying coffee this morning. He came in with a magento, hot pink. $50 super chat. Michael, thank you so much. As Chad Jensen, one of my friends in this industry, likes to say, you're a prince. You're a prince. You might be one of the kings here, though, dude. So Icebreaker getting us started. Michael, thank you so much. You know how much that means to us. Denver Luke says, good morning, Scott Nip Nick. I am so excited for this draft. Yeah, I uh, again, I, I think there's some hyperbole and stuff, Nick, but there, there's talk always like, oh, this isn't a very good draft. And the draft to me is a little bit what you make of it. And the depth in the draft is still good. You can still get good players in the top 100, even if there are more question marks possibly in the top 10. Yeah, it's potentially not as good in, uh, as most years up to the very top, but there's always good players. And uh, it's going to be up to those GMs uh, to make uh, to make hay with it. I mean, the thing about it is every single team is drafting from the same pool, right? So it's not like any other team has a bigger advantage than the other Uh other than obviously having higher draft picks or more draft picks, you have a better chance. But I digress. Uh, everybody has to deal with the same draft pool, and hopefully uh, our Falcons and Broncos uh, can come out pretty well. The Falcons are in a little bit better position, though, uh, when it comes to the draft this year. Well, and here's the thing, Nick. <clears throat> they start talking about, you know, I swear the whole draft is is judged by the top of the five quarterback. And if it's not the top five, how many teams are picking in the top five anyway? You know, so there, there's more to the draft than the top five. Now, some drafts are stronger than others, obviously. But the depth in this draft, I think, I think is still is still very good. Uh, Connor B coming in says, good morning. Good morning to you. Jamal coming in on YouTube says, good morning, Nick and Scott in the chat. Macdown Dirty coming in says, morning, people. To you as well. Good to have you. Make you fumble lets us know I am here. He is here. Kevin Mapp getting us started on Facebook. Says good morning, guys. Good morning to you as well. Um, make you fumble. He, he's talking. We'll get into this a little bit because I, I put J Jalen Carter's picture on the on the uh, the start of the video to for the teaser. He says Carter at eight would be great, but I think we might go guard or wide receiver. We'll get into that. We won't. We'll be here about thirty minutes today. I want to go through it, and uh, every position is on the table. It really, it mm -hmm. really is, except maybe center. 
And that could still be on the table, honestly, depending on which offensive lineman you take who has yeah. positional versatility that he could play center his first year. Every position is still on the table for me, Nick. And we'll get into that. Joe, Joe Cannon says, great morning, fellas. Good morning to you as well. Keith Robbins says, let's roll Atlanta fans. Good morning to you. And uh, let's see. Uh, 100 Realists. Good morning, guys. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing really well. And um, and Jeremiah, I don't get tired, Kinlaw. Man, I wish. I'm always <laughs> tired. So what's your secret, dude? Put it in. You can you can DM me on Twitter. <laughs> Send me a, a message in Facebook because I'm always freaking tired. I'm like, what? Is this is this life now? And then I'm like, oh, you know, I think this is life with kids. You know, you're just mm -hmm. always tired. 600 miles and six games this weekend. I'm tired. Um, edge at eight. Yes. Again, definitely on the table. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you signed Bud Dupree. So what? <laughs> so is Bud Dupree the type of guy that's so good that he keeps you from considering uh, who you like at number eight if he happens to be an edge? No. He's on a one-year deal. He's older. He's... He's a, a depth piece. You're still, we'll go through the, the roster, but you're still talking about your top three edges being Arnold Abichetti, Lorenzo Carter, and Bud Dupree. Yes, you still need help at edge for sure. Kevin Mapp says, how serious is the, the Buda Baker talk? I haven't heard too much of this, but last week, Nick, uh, one of the mock drafts, I, might have, it might, I don't think it was Daniel Jeremiah, but it may have been Jordan Reed saying one of the sneaky needs for this team is safety which me puts richie grant on notice since you just spent so much money on jesse bates that puts richie grant on notice mm -hmm. and if richie grant's on notice then buddha baker is a possibility yeah it would be an interesting one no doubt falcons have the money and the draft capital to get it done if they want buddha baker's been a top five top 10 safety over the last three four seasons uh he would be a very fun player for them Safe. Can you imagine sinking that much resources into your safeties, though? I mean, arguably the least impactful position on the defense. And obviously, if you have a great one, it's nice. <laughs> Without a doubt, you'd rather have good players wherever you can get them. But I don't know. After just spending all that money on Bates, I don't know if I turn right around and then uh, bring in Buda Baker and probably another contract behind it. I guess I'd have to see what it looks like. On the surface, it looks good. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that is a massive expenditure on a position that a lot of teams can get by with average, very little pay, and be just fine. You're putting not that much money in the quarterback room. That's one yes. of the reasons you can do that. Yeah. You know, when you've got $7 million in your quarterback room, when you're spending the least amount on wide receivers of any, I think I think they're last in the league. They're bottom three in NFL and wide receiver expenditure. Then you can spend more in other areas. Now, would they spend more on a wide receiver if the right wide receiver was available? Yeah, I think they would have gone after that in free agency. But Nick, I don't know that I saw that guy in free agency that was worth throwing 10, 15 million at this year. And the Falcons didn't. That's why wide receiver is still on the table at the draft as well. Um, good morning, Scott Nix is Mark Schrader coming in from Texas over, uh, over on YouTube. Good morning as well. Terry's here. Good morning, Terry. Um, with lots of red and Falcons. I think it's probably an eagle. We'll go Falcons today, an exclamation point. Red Falcons. Billy Homan says, yeah, here's a nice reminder. Just hit that sub, subscribe, like, and share button, please. And uh, and Makey Fumble's got a little schadenfreude going this morning. You know, uh, It says, I love how Julio is still a free agent. We were fools to give in to his demands. There were some bad contracts in there, and they're gone. That's why we're talking about how much fun this free agency period has been. Um, 
because they're gone. Now let's hit uh, on the topic real quick of, of the heading was Jalen Carter was reported to be visiting the Atlanta Falcons this, this week. Might not be today, uh, but could be tomorrow. It doesn't really matter if he's still in Athens. It's 45 minutes away from Flowery Branch. It's 45 miles, so could be two hours depending on traffic, but it's not far away. Um, the, the interesting thing is, is it wasn't Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. In fact, they actually, three hours before ML Football posted this, listed the teams that Jalen Carter was visiting and didn't list the Falcons. They were kind of conspicuous in their absence. But ML Football's got a decent following, and, and I put both in there in the report I put on all Falcons that this is what this is saying now and then, and it could happen. Nick, Jalen Carter at number eight, what would you think of that pick? High risk, high reward. I mean, there's just a number of things off the field from the racing to, I mean, the it's anonymous quote season, I know, but still we have to talk about it. Uh, the work ethic stuff uh, you can kind of see on the field sometimes, you know, he's a defensive lineman, but he's a little bit of a roller coaster in terms of his output on the field from a snap to snap play by play basis. Uh, but I mean, arguably the most talented player in the entire draft class plays a position that is extremely has become um, almost a little bit more thin uh, by the year since that, what was it? The 2019 draft class, the defensive interior defensive line classes have kind of waned a little bit. So getting a guy like that would be uh, definitely a plus. Now do the Falcons have to walk away with an interior defensive lineman in this draft class? No. Uh, I mean, you're talking about, we're not sure about Graham uh, with the injury, but Campbell, Anyamata, Grady Jarrett, uh, Eddie Goldman. I mean, you have some back. Yep. Yep. You have some depth on the defensive line, but not a lot of those guys are really, you know, long-term answers there so this would be a, both an immediate pick but as well as the long term and i also be talking about the the veterans in the room i mean if you want to bring grady jarrett under somebody's wing clayus campbell's about i mean he's literally a wing for clayus campbell but he's about <laughs> as good as it gets for that uh, i think grady jarrett would also be awesome in that situation mm-hmm. as well so it would make a lot of sense the question is do you buy into the person uh jalen carter more than anything Right. And I I think from the effort level, I I wonder a little bit if he was, and and this sounds strange to say, but it it happens, bored, you know, with the level of competition that was put in front of him because he was so much better than everybody else. And he's a back-to-back national champion. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. did did he do enough? Yeah. Did he help his team win? Yeah. Did he do as much as he possibly could on every snap? No. But what's the, what are you looking for in every game is to win. And they did. Could he have been a little bored? I think that's a possibility. That won't happen in the NFL. You know, if you come out, he'll probably get his butt kicked a few times when he gets started. And he's such a talented physical specimen that he would step up, you know, or get washed out. It's a it's a huge, it's a high risk, high reward type of pick. Frankly, Nick, I don't think he makes it to eight. Hmm. Uh, I don't think it's even going to be a question. Could the Falcons, if they were, if they were, if they're at eight, and you're convinced with the character that, hey, listen, you know, we're not going to find this guy in police blotters and just have to cut him in a couple of weeks. And he's going to come in and work. From a talent standpoint, at number eight, absolutely. Um, yeah. Again, like you said, that looking at the roster, the defensive line has gotten more talented, but they're they're old. They've gotten yeah. they've gotten old now. Most of them are in their thirties. So injecting a talented player like him into that spot would be would be very nice. Again, one of the, if not the most physically gifted player in this draft. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about, you know, just uh, question marks with him, uh, the pro day, he showed up and he did not look like he had been putting in the work 
uh, to do that. He looked pretty, I don't know if you remember Andre Smith's uh, 40 yard time out of Alabama. Um, but it was a little bit like, Oh, this is this guy putting in the, uh, the physical work uh, to get it done out there. And uh, he looked a little bit, you know, not in shirt off top 10 defensive lineman type of uh shape, which again, just more question marks. Like is he's obviously extremely talented, but you're investing a massive premium resource into him. Uh, so you're going to have to, that's, that's going to be the decision. If from on the field perspective, from a tape perspective, the flashes, he's a top three pick in this draft. He's a top three pick in most drafts, but what, Andre Smith was a little bit genetic. He, yeah. he wasn't built with the, uh, who was the guy last year from Alabama? The guy drafted in the Evan first. Neal. Evan Neal. Evan Neal was a Greek God. I mean, just built, but Andre Smith was a little knock knee, little pigeon toed, six, three and a half, maybe six, four. You want this guy at tackle? He's round. Just just watch him play. I've talked yeah. about Ben Jones like that a little bit. Andre Smith is, you know, I didn't watch everybody the last 20 years, but mm-hmm. in my first 10 years of this business, Andre Smith was the best high school offensive lineman I ever saw. Uh, right. Just absolutely unbelievable. Um, but, uh, and, and Keith Robbins comes in and says, sorry guys, I'm a Buckeye fan. Carter seemed lazy against them. And, and they were fortunate to win that game. You know, they got everything they wanted. And, and Carter admitted to that a little bit. And then put in the work afterwards. He hadn't had to be his very best up until that point, and that's what I kind of mean about you know, is it what you know what 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 are your goals in a game? Does he dominate the game? Does he dominate every snap? Probably not. Does he do enough to help his team win? Yeah, he's got he's got rings for each hand now, you know. But was he was he a little bored? I, I think that that comes into it a little bit. Um, and he's somebody also that I'm curious if you bring him in, he needs to be somebody who's in a very good defensive culture because he doesn't seem like he's the guy in the locker room he wasn't you know you had nolan smith there you had uh nicobe dean you mm-hmm. had a couple of the defensive backs well who's were the leaders of that i mean even uh the defensive tackle from last year um jordan davis you know leading that group more so uh than jalen carter now jalen carter is going to come in and be the you know blue chip premium guy kind of changes the dynamic in there it's not george any there where he can just be one of the dudes you know go out there and talent it's going to be a little bit more on his plate when you have that kind of prestige and eye on you so again that's why they're bringing him in uh he's extremely talented and i hope he uh hope all this stuff is more noise uh than reality or he grows up a little bit or anything like that because i'm not pulling against him uh, by any means it feels like i'm I'm piling on him but i think you have to at least put these things out there and think about them when you're talking about this level of investment and joe cannon comes and he says carter has given me albert hainsworth vibes great talent not so great person overall he was a lot, and I mean a lot, more productive than Albert Hainsworth was at Tennessee. Um, I had a, a friend of mine that was talking with a coach at Tennessee during that time. He said, Albert Hainsworth was the worst thing that ever happened to us. He goes, he laid around here for three years and did absolutely nothing and goes in the first round, and all of a sudden people are thinking, oh, that's we can do that too. And well, they weren't all as physically gifted as Albert Hainsworth where people were willing to take the chance, yeah. but Hainsworth didn't do anything in college. I mean, his, his production was nothing. Um, he was, he wasn't, um, Jalen Carter wasn't exactly John Henderson, you know, another big defensive tackle for, for the Tennessee balls, but he was a, he was a level above Albert Hainsworth. That's for sure. Um, Michael coming in, he says, morning guys, love your show. Well, we love you being here. So appreciate you, you being here now. Want to talk about why every position is on the table despite all the moves that the Falcons have made uh, every position is on the table and we can go through the depth chart as we do this 
Um, you know, the Falcons have taken pass catchers top 10 in the last two drafts. Okay. Well, if you're running four receivers out there, you've got Kyle Pitts, you've got Drake London. There's your two guys that were top 10 picks. Then you've got Mac Hollins and Scotty Miller. Let's be honest. The big reason those two guys are here is for special teams. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not number two wide receiver candidates. They're three fours and they're, they're there to help special teams. So yes, if the right guy is available at number eight, you absolutely need another wide receiver. And frankly, one that would have a little bit different skill set than the twin towers of Drake London and Kyle Pitts. See, I'm, I'm a little different uh, than you on this, and it mainly comes down to Arthur Smith's offense. Now, granted you adapt your offense to what you have available to you, but even at Tennessee, he was a 12 and 21 personnel fiend. And he's been that way in Atlanta so far. The only team to run more, uh, tight end sets uh, than Atlanta the last two seasons has been the outlier offense. We'll call it that uh, of uh, with Lamar Jackson. So I think that bringing in a different skill set, I can agree to an extent, but I think if you're talking about, and specifically in this class, if you're talking about a pure like slot type of body, I don't know if this Falcons team is looking to zag uh, with their personnel that much. I, w- I would rather lean further into the 12 and 21, bring in another giant out there that can play more boundary where then you have Pitts who can do some insides. Drake London played big slot a lot at USC. Some of his best tape was that big slot. So I don't know if you have to really go with the small nif- uh, shifty kind of guy. Not that you said that, but when you talk about different skill sets right. in the perspective of this class, that's how I uh, see. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not talking about this class in general. I'm just talking about yeah. the Falcons roster and trying to fill needs. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver yeah. is a need. Oh yes. Um, yeah. Tight end. Okay, you just got Jonu Smith, but if Brock Bowers is in this class and you're sitting at number eight, you take a real hard look. You really do. You you take a real hard look at tight end with with someone like that. Now, are you going to draft a tight end at number eight? No, you won't. Um, Knock on wood. There's there's no one available here. Um, Running back. You've got Tyler Algier. You've got Cordero Patterson, who has he's got two years left on his deal, but he's he's more of an X factor. I still don't consider him a true running back. I consider him kind of a, a slash type player. But Joe asks, he says, do people think that low of Tyler Algier to really want to really want to draft Bijan Robinson at number eight? I don't like drafting running backs that early. <sighs> the best player available here now. Um, you know, I see Ryan in here also. Ryan Adonis was was kind of he was there was an article about best value best pick best biggest need and best value and I I took issue with the fact that Jordan Reed said that Bijan Robinson would be the best value pick for the Atlanta Falcons because he started it off by saying if we ignore positional value well then it's not a value pick Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm okay with you saying he could have the biggest impact of any player in this draft. He would be the best player in this draft. I'm okay with that. And if you want to say you want to take him, okay, fine. But don't go be singing me sunshine that this is the best value right after you say we ignore value. Mm-hmm. It's not. But Joe and, and Ryan, I'm I'm okay with this. I, I understand this point of view. If he's the best player out there and you run the ball as much as you do and you're going to run the ball 40 to 45 times a game and you've got Tyler and Bijan doing it, I get it, Nick. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. 
it's a little early for me still. Like I said, I'd rather probably trade back at least once, you know, five to 10 picks before we have that conversation of Bijan Robinson, a uh, big fan of him, but still it's the, if you take a running back, your clock starts immediately. And are you a Bijan Robinson away from not just, you know, NFC South, I'm talking Super Bowl contending team. Cause that's, I think the type of, if you are there and you say yes to that, then okay, take, take the running back. If you think he is the piece away from being the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl winner, uh, then go for it. I don't. And that's the only team that makes sense in the top 10 for me is that could be the Eagles this mm-hmm. year. And will Howie Roseman take a non-value position in the first round? I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a really talented player. Could add a lot to the team. You do run the ball a heck of a lot. Running back is certainly a position that the Falcons could go again. So I would understand it. Eight overall, though, when you have offensive line, edge rusher, cornerbacks, Jalen Carter available that could help build the infrastructure uh, at more value positions. And you can get a running back round three, round four uh, that can, you know, be a part of the system of your committee. Cause what was, there's only like three teams or four teams with thousand yard rushers last season. That's just the way the NFL is going. Might be a better long-term uh, perspective, but Bijan's extremely talented and it's not just the run game that he adds to the plays that are like, no, nothing kind of plays where it's dead. And okay. Like, well, we, our routes are gone. We're just going to dump it off to Bijan. Oh my God. 25 yards. That was a play that they covered perfectly. And our playmaker just did stuff. Uh, so that's a, that's a luxury that is not in Tyler Algier's bag. I will say quarterback. Guess who's visiting the Atlanta Falcons tomorrow. Anthony Richardson uh, is quarterback off the table. No, it's not. Desmond Ritter hasn't done enough where you would say, I love this quarterback, but I've already in love with the quarterback I've got. He hasn't done enough to prove that. So yes, quarterback is on the table here. Now, I don't know if you're going to see a guy where you say, I absolutely, one, I don't think they're going to fall to eight. No. Um, I Maybe think the, fir- the first four quarterbacks are going to be gone in the first seven picks. And if one of them isn't, it'd probably be Will Levis, who the Colts are really eyeing at number four. I don't I don't want Will Levis at eight, not for this team. I just soon roll with De- Desmond Ritter. I, I really don't. I would get it uh, still if you did do that. I mean, again, I say that he has the tools. That's obvious. He's got the size. He's kind of blind when he's a runner. It's weird. He's like a solid athlete built well, but he just has no vision or feel for being a runner. Good athlete, good motion, uh, played on a craptastic uh, team given his uh, comparison. Also, the fact that he's playing in an NFL West Coast offense this season, um, the verbiage kind of thing is not going to be as much of an issue for him. I mean, he was calling plays that were 20, 25 words long um, in Kentucky this last season. So a lot of good it did him. I mean, when you got nobody to throw to and uh, your offensive line is not very good and you're then keep it simple. That's why I, your offensive coordinator got fired. That's <laughs> part of it. But he, I think the big thing is that he could handle it. Um, and that's a that's a big difference. You know, you have the the quarterbacks who you like, you know, the fake hike and then they look over at the cards after every single play. Like those guys take a little bit to get out there uh, sometimes. Um, but I would understand it. I wouldn't do it also. Uh, if I were you, in fact, I'd be more interested in trading up to number three to get one of the top three quarterbacks than sit there and uh, take Will Levis. But uh, certainly an option. And the other thing is, we talked about this a hundred times. It's if you take if you go to bed this year with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback number one, it might not be just this year. It might be the next few seasons. Because are you going to have another chance to be this high with a quarterback class with this many options at the top? It's hard to say. Right. Best case scenario, Desmond Ritter is a guy. You're, he's, oh, yeah. he's cheap. He's dirt cheap for the next two, three years. And you can build a team around him. And that's what I think they're they're attempting right now. We'll see how it works out. I don't know if we'll be able to get to a mock draft. I called it mock draft Monday. We're going through the roster and the options. I don't think we're going to have time to run a mock draft. 
We can be a little um, late on the other one. It's it's okay. We can we can run one. We all right, we'll, we'll we but I want to hit um I want to hit this because I'm going to flip over to Edge now on the center position. Why is center position still available? Because one of the guys that you could take on the offensive line, like say Peter Skaronski, can play all five positions. Mm-hmm. So you need a left guard right now, possibly, and you need competition at center. If you take Skaronski at number eight, he could be that guy that pushes. He could end up being a left tackle down the road. He could play left guard right away. He could play center right away. So, yes, that's still on the table. Edge, you just signed Bud Dupree. At the beginning of the show, you heard me say, but your top three edge guys are Lorenzo Carter, Bud Dupree, and, and Arla McKetty. Those three guys aren't going to keep you from taking a number one type of edge if mm-hmm. he's there. And Thomas, yes, it could be Nolan Smith, especially if you're going to more of a 4-3 and you want to have an outside linebacker type that's speedy off the edge. Because you've gotten some size now. You've gotten Calais Campbell out there where you've got some guys to set the edge. You can use Bud Dupree to set the edge on, on running downs and bring in Nolan Smith as a designated pass rusher. You can move him around all over the place. Yeah, he's going to be really interesting. I don't know how much you mess with the uh, mock draftable database, but sometimes, especially when you know <laughs> a little younger, like what would it look like if I moved Demarius Thomas to offensive tackle? You know, zero percentile on everything, but then like <laughs> maxed on everything else. That's what Nolan Smith looks like as an edge rusher because he's tiny, in terms of his height, his weight, his length, but he's like a 99th percentile athlete, everything else. Um, so maybe he's going to move to more of that uh, 4-3 Sam that then walks down to the, the edge spot uh, against the run. Uh, versatile player, I'm curious to see what that transition would be like playing more of that second-level defender uh, because the run fits, the processing, the instincts is totally different than lined up against an offensive tackle or tight end, you know, set the edge and then pl- uh, play the run uh, through the pass rush. But Will be, uh, he's definitely an option there. I think uh, Tyree Wilson is very much on the, I mean, if Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson there, that you're probably running to the podium. Uh, are either of those guys going to be there? Hard to say at eight. You never know. Um, but I would say it's probably not super likely that Will Anderson is there. Maybe Tyree Wilson, although, God, he just screams Seahawks uh, to me from what I've heard and what I've seen. So we'll see. And then you talk about cornerback as well. Cornerback dropped a little bit for me from a, oh, no doubt, to a, if you love a guy, then yes. And Gonzalez, I think Billy loves Gonzalez because he says we need Gonzalez at eight. I don't know if you need Gonzalez at eight, but a cornerback trio of Gonzalez, Terrell with Akuda playing slot, which is an option, would be pretty damn, pretty damn intriguing. Right. And, and why is corner still on the table? It's like, oh, well, this means they're not going corner because they traded for Jeff Akuda in this. No, 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 no. It's less likely, but you got AJ Terrell. You've got Mike Hughes, who's on a two-year deal, but it's really a one-year deal with a club option because he's got a $750,000 dead cap hit next year. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a one-year deal. Casey Hayward is old, and he's on a one-year deal. And Jeff Akuda, guess what? He's on a one-year deal also. So you've got, those are your top four cornerbacks. A.J. Terrell is the only one that you can see being, that you would, I don't want to say guarantee, but in 2024 would all but guarantee he's an Atlanta Falcon in 2024. He's the only one. So corner, if you love a corner the way Billy says Christian Gonzalez, then yeah, corner's on the table. Absolutely on the table. Um, linebacker, yes, you you could use some more depth there. There isn't a linebacker in this class you're going to take at number eight. Unless um, you want to argue Nolan Smith is. Yeah, unless it's Nolan Smith, you yeah. know, somebody like that. But um, safety, there's not a guy there you're going to take at number eight. But we've talked already that there's some, there's some talk about um, who's a kid from Alabama, Battle. Mm-hmm. Jordan Battle. Jordan Battle being a second round pick. So I'm starting to get some some noise that Richie Grant's on notice, you know, yeah. that 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 he might not be uh, entirely safe also. So basically, 
and we'll run through this super fast, uh, which doesn't take long. So we can't give a whole lot of explanations and, and all this type of stuff, but we'll run through the mock draft simulator after we just got done saying why every position should still be on the table for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, I don't know that I missed any on there, but we'll go seven rounds. We'll go super speedy fast and we'll go Atlanta Falcons. And let me zoom in on this as we do our mock draft Monday. Um, randomness up a little bit, drafter needs down a little bit, positional value up some, public board versus PFF, yes, please. We'll enter draft and hit start new draft. And there we go, right off the bat. We've got the choice to make. I'm doing it, Nick. Let's do it. Jalen yeah, Carter, the second ranked. I'm I'm taking that risk. Yep. Jalen Carter, we talked about earlier. If you have questions about it, uh, just go back to the beginning. In this case, you think the the risk is worth it. Uh, you believe in the his explanations and the background character checks, and he's just too talented. So go for it. Make the pick. And Roderick Coke, I see you. Um, I you have not transgressed or transgressed uh, your messages here. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it was just a YouTube glitch there, but uh, you're good. Yeah, you're I cool. see the second one. Sometimes YouTube will hold something, um, mm-hmm. but I don't see uh, I don't see anything. I, I didn't see it in there that it got held or anything. So maybe just got eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be Branch that we're talking about. Um, Brian Branch makes way more sense than Jordan Battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's who it was. Thank you, CJ. I mm-hmm. knew there was, there was two of them and I couldn't remember which one of them. Um, but there is a lot of talk, and he says it's nothing new with Grant. Nielsen uses a lot of three safety looks. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, with Jalen Hawkins is a decent number three, but then you still need another one. Then I need yeah. and I need more safeties. But they have revamped the secondary. But here yeah, I am. Yeah. And what's interesting is I've got one of the most risky players in the top 10, or maybe the safest player in the top 10, and I've got my choice to make. I'm swinging, and I would love to have these choices here. I would love to be able to choose from Jalen Carter, uh, Peter Skronsky, Christian Gonzalez, um, and I, I'm going. I'm going Jalen Carter. I'm, I'm swinging. I'm swinging big. I'm the Atlanta Falcons now. I'm swinging big. Um, number four, and now I can get my edge. There's yeah, BJ Ojolari right there. Let's scroll down a little bit, just because I'm curious. I don't want to waste too much time on this. Uh, you got Jameer Gibbs still there. We talked about him earlier. Uh, as well um, for the Falcons. And there was Steve Avila also would be an interesting one. And Terry Oceanboy says, Gibbs, my running back one, he snapped in the SEC. Say Bijan is better, but the Pac-12 doesn't play defense. Well, you talk. I think you're talking Big 12, not Big Pac-12. 12, that's okay. We know what you um, mean. But also they don't play defense. So uh, Bijan is his backup. Um, I think Bijan does a little bit more. He offers more between the tackles ability. But if you want to use Jameer Gibbs there, that'd be fine. I would totally get it. Uh, Steve Avila is also an interesting player there if you're talking left guard. I really like Ojolari. He's very redundant to uh, Evichetti and Malone, but he's also extremely talented. So I, yeah, I mean, that's have no okay. I can it. put him on each side and have redundant on the other side coming from yeah. both both ends. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be pretty happy with Ojolari here. Um, yeah. There's Tankdale. I could go. Oh God, look! I get my center at 75. I, I'm going center here. I mean, we're talking best player available possibly. That I could use make- a wide receiver, but how do I pass on? An immediate upgrade at center who could possibly play some guard too. My favorite player on the board from what you scrolled down and I saw was uh Kraft, um, Tucker Kraft. He was a little bit lower here, but I really like Tucker Kraft, man. Um, from at tight uh, end, I'm, I'm okay. I, I feel okay at tight end. I need yeah. an interior lineman for this team, and okay. the need meets the value here with Wipler, mm-hmm. where I can I can move some guys around at, at center and guard. 
but I need an interior lineman. And I feel like he fits in that. I'm not reaching is what I'm trying to say. He fits in that tier of players where I could get him in the middle. What I'd like to get as a wide receiver out of this mess somewhere. I bet you, hey, let's see if our guy uh, Mingo is still available. That's one that would be. He probably is. Here, let me switch. I'm just going to go ahead and switch this to wide receiver and take Jonathan Mingo. If he's there, he might not be. Looks like Uh, he's gone. His stock's starting to rise. He's not going to make it out of the second round. Ooh, that's interesting. I I could see him go one of the first picks in the the third. Trey Palmer was brought in by the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I think my favorite guy here would be Tyler Scott. Uh, personally, um, he's a little bit more. I could go back to back to. Oh, look, he just he went. No, he didn't. He's still there. Where'd he go? He took Tyler Scott. He, um, but he, was it? Oh, oh, I switched back receiver. to all positions. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, we took Tyler Scott. Um, Anthony Johnson. He's always there at the end. Tank Bigsby would be back. I'm not a big fan here. of Henry. Dorian Williams would be great. Uh, Corey Trice is a really intriguing player. You're talking about that three safety. Uh, look out there. Trice uh, came to Purdue as a safety and then moved to uh, then moved to cornerback. Oh, um, I really like be there as my cheat code is Yaya Diaby. Uh, Sal DeVere also would be a really awesome option here from Old Dominion. I think he could play all five positions on the offensive line. Uh, I love Dorian Williams, a blitzing linebacker. We haven't gone linebacker yet here as well. He'd be a really yeah. I, want, I don't mind the linebacker if he's in that tier. Um, I love Dorian Williams. He's yeah, one of Dorian my favorites. Williams. Uh, I like the linebacker in that tier. And then I think we have two picks here, but we'll blast through these here real quick. We're not going to spend much time on our last couple picks. Then we got to get, then we got to roll. If if Yasir is still there at 138, what does that do for Thomas Incombe? He's gone. He for sure went. Yeah, he went. Uh, Lonnie Phelps. I'm taking Lonnie Phelps. Okay, the next one I'm going to say take here. Um, this is just a shot in the dark, but he's on the board. Um, I'm going to bang the table for this one for you, Scott. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to do it. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton. Tested like an absolute freak. Has some what, circus- what, where is he? He's number four on this list right now. Wide receiver okay, from um, West Virginia. Athletic freak. One of the highest Ross testing athletes in this draft class. Um, you can take Stenson Bennett, too, if you want. And I there. just took Stenson Bennett to round us out. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a Bryce Ford Wheaton's a really interesting player. Um, absolute athletic freak. Drops her out there on tape, but uh, he can run. He can make circus catches. Uh, he's really, really intriguing. All right. So. And he's big. <laughs> uh, Atlanta Falcons fans, we come out of this. Jalen Carter, BJ Ojolari, Luke Weipler at center, Tyler Scott at receiver, Dorian Williams, Lonnie Phelps, Bryce Ford, Stetson Bennett, quarterback. You're doing backflips, y'all. Yeah. You are. This would be a home run. This would be a home run. You run enough of these, you might be able to do this again. We did this live in front of everybody. I'd, I'd be pretty content with this. On that note, we've got to get out of here. Who I'm content with, I want to say thank you again to Michael Ranquillo for uh, for opening us up with a big super chat, for keeping the lights on, keeping my forehead nice and shiny. We'll, we will be back Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. We're going to head over to Mile High Huddle right now. Uh, to talk some Denver Broncos, some draft, and all kinds of stuff. So if you want to keep the conversation going, come join us over there. Otherwise, we will see you Wednesday at 9 a.m. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hope you have a great week.